evidence and answers. One of the greatest needs is to raise a new generation of Christians who are disciplined, grounded in the Christian worldview, and are equipped to engage their culture and world for Christ. A ministry that has been producing Christian leaders for decades is the Canacook Institute. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. The last time we were together, Pat and Keith Chansey, the founder and director of the Canacook Institute, began an interview discussing how this ministry is making a difference in the lives of hundreds of young people for Christ. Now, let's continue on with part two. Gosh, Pat, I've seen so many miracles that only God could do because he gave us the privilege of these students and the passion starting the Institute to see a very darkened world, a very difficult world, but there's hope through Christ. And that was what the Institute was meant to do and is doing. As these kids have given up where they live, they've moved to, and these kids are graduate of Texas University, Northwestern University, they're graduated from Wheaton, they're graduated from Liberty, they're graduated from the greatest universities in the country, and they're coming to us going, I'm not there. Help us. And so, Pat, we knew that we had to train them in the Bible. We knew we had to give them. You've always heard this saying, you give a man a fish and you feed him for the day, but you teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. We are teaching these kids to fish. And boy, have they dropped a lot of lines in the water. And we're watching them catch a lot of souls for Christ. It's amazing. Yeah, you know, Keith, you work with a lot of kids coming right out of college. And we know the stats. Yeah. You know, 80% of young yeah. people abandon their faith after four years yep. of college. But when you get these yep. college grads coming to the Institute, I mean, what are they like? My perception is that coming out of college, especially if you're coming out of a public university or state college, you know, a lot of times you're coming out confused, you know, yeah, and, and you've yeah. kind of got a schizophrenic Christianity. You know, Christianity is about my <laughs> personal walk with God, but when it comes to everything else, yeah. medical ethics, technology, science, yeah. government, I mean, it doesn't apply. And so I'm, you know, I'm kind of living kind of a schizophrenic faith. That's what I, that's what I see in a lot of young people. Right. Uh, what do you see when they're coming out of college? I see the exact same thing you do. I see the schizophrenia, Christian-wise, you don't really understand it, and so there is a lot of confusion. I think there's a, a step to all this confusion. My goal as I see a kid, whether it be any kid that I ever meet, I don't care what age they are, whether young or whether old, I believe that a lot of people are very confused. And my goal as a believer is to get them college grad, I want to get them to be curious. And in their curiosity, I want them to get converted. And in the conversion, I want them to become a core believer who makes an impact for Christ. I think there's steps, Pat, that we have to, we have to meet people where they're at, find out their pains. And I love that question. I love to ask people, what's your pain? What's your fear? Because when I hear about your pain and your fear, I usually understand your view of God. Well, your worldview of God will usually stem from one of those two answers. And so I love to find that out, Pat, because if I hear you say, well, my fear is I don't know if I can trust God, or my pain is that my parents divorced, or my parents were killed, or I just don't understand if God was good, then why would my girlfriend break up with me? There's every kind of question that people ask 
that they've never had somebody really help them understand the answer to that question. And so these kids that, are, you know, the 80% of them are coming to us that are, you know, they've abandoned their faith because they've been confused. I, I get it because our world has done that to them. But it's up to us as people that know God. You see, my favorite verse in the Bible, and it's my life verse, is Romans eight twenty eight, And it says, all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. Well, I love the first part when I first memorized that verse as about an 18-year-old, because that's when I became a Christian at 18 years old. All things work together for good. Yay! But I don't know if I quite understood that second part, according to his will. You see, and that was the part that kind of got me, because I said, if God is good and I get saved, I had it kind of a prosperity type mentality that if I give my life to Christ, he's going to make everything good after that. And the unfortunate thing is that I'm seeing these kids that, that say they've given their life to Christ, they believe that. If I give my life to Christ, so they think, then everything after that's going to be good. It's going to be happy. Uh, I'm going to get married. There's going to be a beautiful guy or, or handsome guy that comes to my world. I'm going to get a good job. And if I don't, then they blame God for it. They've never been taught the fall of man back in Genesis 1, 2, 3. And they don't understand that the serpent, more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made, said, and it caused confusion right there. And from that moment on, there's been confusion that we were separated from God in the garden. God did not fail. Man failed. And, Pat, I don't know if there's anything that could help me, help this generation of confused kids more than that. God has never failed. Man did. He ate from the fruit. But God restored what man did. When man failed, God solved that problem, and that God became a perfect man from a virgin birth, and he died on the cross for our sins. And we, the believers, can have salvation through the grace of God, through what he did, not by being good. And when we go through trials like James 1, consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, I love that because endurance is what I seek, but my endurance comes from my trust in God that I consider it pure joy, not joy, joy, ha-ha, in that everything, you know, happy, happy, it's all good. But I have a peaceful contentment that when I do go through that trial, God is there with me, and he's going to help me through that, and I'm going to trust him through that, through all the pain, and he is a good God no matter what. And the fall of man is what caused this pain. It wasn't God that caused that wreck. It, it was a fall. There is pain as a result of the fall. And I can't stop that. But what I can do is I can be a light, and I can be salt, and I can make people thirsty and see the light of Jesus. Does that help there, Pat? Absolutely. You know, one of the things you and me talked about, you know, Second Timothy 2, 2, and what you have heard from me in the yes. presence of many witnesses and trust uh, the faithful men and women who will yes, be able yeah. to teach others also. And so mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. you mentioned that your goal, you know, as a disciple maker, but also yes. the goal of the Institute is that yes. every believer become a person of impact for Christ. Yes. And I think you made a good yes. illustration. I wanted you to tell it that you went to play high school football, not yes. just to stop there. You had higher yep. goals and aspirations. You were training oh. for something higher yep. than that. And when you went to yep. college, you didn't go just to play college, stop there. I mean, you were going on. Yep. And I think that's a great illustration of 
people coming to Christ. We're not just there to have them pray a prayer. You know, we're, we're there Absolutely. to... Right. Tell us about that. And tell the well, story Pat, about your you football, know, man. Was, <laughs> you know, um, I probably picked the wrong sport. I'm, a sport. I'm five foot nine, about 170 pounds, and, <laughs> and that's probably not the best size to play. But I had a dream, and my dream was to one day play professional football. And I really, you know, an American professional football, man, these are giants. They're, they're the Goliaths, the behemoths of, of the world. Pat, first I was mad at God because my parents divorced and my dad abused all the members of my family verbally and physically because he drank and because it, I, my worldview was that God wasn't good and I blamed God that I had a bad dad and I blamed God that my circumstances weren't good. And when my dad left my family, he gambled every penny that my mom owned away and mm -hmm. we had to move into government subsidized housing in Dallas, Texas, and I was a white trash kid. And what that means is we were without money, we didn't have any clothes, really, so to speak, and I just looked like that kid, and you went, wow, he needs some help. And I was mad at God, but my ticket out was, if I can be a good enough football player, I'll get out of here. And I said, if I can make, if I can be good enough at sports one day, I'll make a lot of money, and I can buy my mom a house, and I can do all these things. So it was a dream. But then something happened my senior year in high school, Pat, that changed my world. A guy at an FCA, a Fellowship of Christian Athletes Conference, a Christian little camp that I went to, said, he said, Chancey, why are you so angry? And I, you know, I didn't know I was really angry. I just, I played sports. I just didn't like to lose. And he said, I think you're angry at something. And long story short, I told him about my dad. And he told me that day, you need to forgive your dad. And I went, I can't because you don't know how bad my dad is. And he shared with me Christ and how much Christ forgave me. And when I understood that, Pat, it, changed, it was a game changer. And he told me, he said, Chancey, that day I gave my life to Christ. And I forgave my dad. And my sports career changed. Before that, I was playing out of anger. The next way I played was out of love. And I know that sounds crazy to play football out of love. But I wanted to be the best player I could ever be to glorify God. And so he said, I want you, Chancey, to go rewrite the record books. And I said, I can do that. And the next thing I do, I get a scholarship to college, and God used me in my abilities to rewrite some record books, so to speak. But you know what, Pat? The record books that I rewrote were, I saw kids give their lives to Jesus on my football team. Mm. I began to see God use me in ways that revival struck out on our football team and within my class. And our ministry began to grow. And it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit using a guy that had been broken and began to share of the goodness of God. And I don't know if you can tell, but I'm kind of passionate, you know, and I get pretty fired up. Yeah. And people began to go, I want what you got. And all I could tell them is it's not me. It's my love for Jesus. And before that, they knew I was just an angry kid playing sports. Now they saw a happy kid with a smile sharing the victories of Christ and picking people up after I knocked them on the ground and after I scored a touchdown, they're going, dude, you are so radical. And so when I graduated from college, I'm like, you know, my career wasn't that good. I wanted it to be better. But you see, when God's in control, he gifted me with certain things. I was really fast. And so... After I graduated from college, a team, the St. Louis Cardinals that was in St. Louis back then, it's now in the Arizona Cardinals, but they called me and they said, Chanty, we 
seen you. We want to talk to you. We've heard your speed, and they took they took a little stopwatch and time in. They said, "Son, we are signing you to an NFL contract." Pat, my career. I'm going to tell you something. It's what people die for, but someone did die for it. His name was Jesus, and all he wanted me to do is go and play in the NFL for just a short time. I was there for only it was. I think my career was three and a half months long. It wasn't long at all because God didn't need me to do anything other than to share Christ with my NFL teammates. And Pat, I'm so passionate about evangelism, discipleship, because I saw it work. God doesn't need me. He just needs me to use what he's given me to tell others about him. Yeah, you know. Isn't that fun? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I like about the Canacook program, I mean, not only do you ground these kids in the Bible and in the Christian worldview, but... I think one of the greatest needs of young people is to dream. And, oh, yeah. and that's some of the things that you teach them to do, uh, set some career goals, uh-huh. but to, you know, dream about what they're going to do yes. for Christ, not just yes. go to an eight-to-five mm-hmm. job and make a lot of money, which, which mm-hmm. is fine, but you teach them that there's something more and, and to dream yeah. big. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I think that's one of the great mm-hmm. parts of the program. I've learned a lot about dreaming because I'm that dreamer. I've always been told that I... People have many times called me Joseph, a dreamer. When you think about Joseph and he dreamed a a certain dream, his brothers bowing down to him and stuff. I didn't dream dreams like that, but I dream about just making an impact for Jesus. And I believe that if you really do, you know, when I went off to college and I saw my team, God showed me, said, Chanty, you've got these 90 guys on your team. That's your ministry right now. And I think, Pat, sometimes that's what we lose because we don't see the place that we have, that it's a ministry. And so what we want to do is we want to say, I'm going to go to my job, but then I'm going to go to my ministry. I think our job is our ministry. And I believe that if we can begin to help people understand where you're planted, you bloom. And if you begin to have that as your ministry, you now have a new vision and passion to go there. And so our vision, you know, when you begin to set a vision, a a spiritual vision, and once again, I have one on my mirror in my house. I'm an old dude now, but my vision never changes in that I want to be a disciple maker that impacts others to the cause of Jesus Christ. I just want to be that guy. And I think it's just as simple as a few words, disciple maker, evangelist, equipper. It's just using the key words that God gives us through Scripture to say he's given me my gifts to impact the world. Now, Pat, when you do make that vision statement, one of the things I always tell people, and I think this is so important, don't try to be something you're not and do something you're not equipped to do. But ask God. Evaluate your spiritual gift. I think it's so important to find out what your spiritual gift is. My my spiritual gift is I am naturally an exhorter. I didn't have to wake up getting fired up. God made me that way. But my friend who has the gift of he has a more servant's heart, he's not quite as fired up as I am, but he serves so much differently than me. I should never compare myself and say I need to serve more like him, but I need to be the servant that God made me, but he's going to out-serve me all the time, and I'm going to out-enthios him. I'm going to be more fired up than him. It's seeing the gifts that God gave to all of our friends and encouraging each other within their gifts. So as someone who's building his own vision statement, if you, are, if you have the gift of leadership, your gift is going to be a lot different within your gift of leadership. If you've got the gift of servanthood 
or if you've got the gift of helps, or if you've got the gift of prophecy and all these different gifts that you could have, Romans 12, if you see these gifts in others, you can begin to help them within their lane where they are to get where they need to be. What so often we do is we think one size fits all. And within the gift, that's why so many kids today are comparing themselves to each other and they're mad at others. It's why we gossip about people. We're mad at others because we see their gift better than us. And so we, rather than come alongside of them, we complain about them and we're bitter. But if we see them for who God saw them to be, then together we could change our high schools, our colleges, because we understand our gift set. And when we understand that, we can begin to have the proper vision statement, a purpose statement that says, this is what I want to accomplish in my life. I want to have a discipleship ministry wherever I'm at in the marketplace or the ministerial place that would equip young men and women to be disciples for a lifetime of ministry. It's as simple as that, Pat. But, you know, it's hard because – but you have to write it and go, how will I accomplish? I can have a vision say, but how do I accomplish it is so important. I will wake up. I'll be in my Bible. I'll be on my knees in prayer. I will pray for my people that I'm going to school with or at work. I will be kind to them today. I'll write them a note of encouragement to encourage them. I'll ask them, how can I pray for you? And, Pat, when I understand – that I want to do my vision statement, and then I understand how to do it? Wow. You see, because remember I said a while ago, I wanted to make it to the NFL. It's one thing to want something, but it's another to pay the price to get there. And so I had to pay a lot of price of working hard, trying to be the best that I could. God, he can't steer a parked car. Yeah. You've got to put your car in drive and begin to take advantage of the gifts that God has given to you Write down, I want to do this. I want to have a vision for God. I want to change my sphere of influence to know Jesus. I want to help them grow. I want to have a ministry right here in this. And then how am I going to do it? These are the six steps or whatever, however many steps that God gives to you that you can maximize your gifts, not others' gifts, your gifts to accomplish that. Is that helpful? Yeah, you know. That's one thing I really like about the program. In fact, I use that uh, vision statement uh, form that you guys did mm. uh, in my classes as well. Yeah. You know, a lot of students go yeah. into life without a vision of what God wants them to do. And, sure. and they're kind of directionless for uh, who knows how many years. And that's one thing yeah. I like about the Institute is you have these guys sit down and reflect on w what God has called them to do in this life and then yes. go at it, you know? So, I mean, what yes. are the things you have them do to put together a vision statement for their life? Mm. Well, you know, Pat, that's a great question because each one of them, once again, are gifted within their gift set. And so some are highly intelligent. Some are really get things done type people. Some are quiet. Some are more boisterous. Some can sing. And so we say, how will you use your gift to most maximize your sphere of influence to impact. And so we sit down with every one of them, Pat, and we help them through giving them a spiritual gifts test, through understanding, even understand their Enneagram. You know, if they're a seven, we go, this guy's out of control wild, <laughs> you know. And then we look at all, we look at uh, their spirit. We all have strength finders. 
we try to find out what their strengths and weaknesses are. And so when we sit down with them, we understand a lot about their gift set, natural spiritual gifts, then their strengths that they have, and then their uh, personality. We understand that about them. And then we ask, okay, here's what I see of you, of what I'm seeing on your chart here. You have the gift of exhortation, your secondary is leadership, you're a seven on the Enneagram, and your strength finder is you have woo factor. Well, all that's telling me is this kid, he needs to be up front talking to people. But in order for him to talk, we've got to fill him with the knowledge of God's word. So we go, here's what's going to be easy for you to stand up and motivate people. What's not going to be easy for you is, you, is for you to sit down and study God's word. So, but in order for you to be balanced, we're going to have to get you where you do this one, where it's not as easy for you to match with your natural gift set. Because we don't want you just to be a, lone, a loose cannon out there just saying whatever you think. We want you to be impactful in that everything that you do say is changing the world that you live in. So, Pat, we evaluate their gifts. We had them in accountability. We had them in uh, one-on-one situations where they are able to share their goals. We had them with a host family. We try to get them with as many people that we can to kind of trim their sails, so to speak, to get them directed in the right way. And when we do that, Pat, it is absolutely marvelous to combine all their gifts and their abilities so that they never, ever look at others and want what others have, but they are thankful for what they have been given from the Lord. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty fun there. Yeah, and I like the fact that they take a year of their life to do that, to get grounded and to assess their lives and then set some goals. It costs money to be in this program. But I think yeah, it's, a, it it's a worthwhile investment. I mean, you're going to be in your career yep. for the next 40, 50 years. What's one year? Oh, yeah. What's one year what? of preparing yes, for that? And you look oh. at, at the guys in the Bible. I mean, Paul was, mm. I think, uh, three years in the desert after three coming years, to Christ yeah. before he launched his ministry. Uh, Moses was yes. in the desert for decades you know, before he launched into his ministry. (laughs) Right, right. Joseph was in the desert, quote, before he Mm -hmm. was where God wanted him. And these kids get to get away from the distractions of the world and really sit and focus and think about God, get grounded in the Word, and think about their life Mm -hmm. and and plan for their life for one year before they launch into their career. And I think that is just invaluable. And tell us about some of the results of the program. Oh, man, you know, I the list this last weekend we had a reunion, a 20-year reunion, yeah. and I saw, you know, 400-plus of these students come back from wow. all around the country, even around the world, Pat. And what I heard them say, and, and, you know, just a couple of stories where this one student, he's in the marketplace in the business, and he was working in real estate, and he began to – his office – he began to share with the guy next door to him and watched his friend that wasn't even in his wasn't even in his business. It was just another guy randomly next door that he by every day walking and being early to work, late to leave, being excellent in his job, this guy began to ask about Christ, who was, by the way, a very high representative of this other company. And when he heard the guy from the institute share with him his view of Christ, this guy wanted to hear and gave his life to Christ. 
and then ended up offering him a job to go wow. to his job at a job making about twice as much as he did. And he goes, this is just, you just can't make those stories up that, about being faithful to the Lord. And, and we see girls that have been in the hospital working as nurses in the COVID units, and they're just going, chance, this has been so hard for us. But they're seeing people come to Christ, Pat, right and left, and they're just, they can't wait to get back to us and share what God has done using their gifts to make a difference for Christ. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. We have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or even schedule an apologetics conference at your church or location, give him a call in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to use our search engine for available resources. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts, like Pat's on the Air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to partner with us, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there online. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharan.